you couldn't worship to that last song, you got something wrong in your heart. That one, that's a powerful one right there. Love that song, that, that version of it. Wow. Man, sorry, a little teary-eyed. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of First Peter, chapter 3, as we continue our verse-by-verse um, exposition of Peter's letter. And uh, we're going to continue talking in this series that Peter's been delivering us, uh, talking about the need for submission. Um, seems like one of the primary themes of Peter's letter is that of submission, and it's probably not the uh, favorite theological topic of most people. Um, we tend to uh, kind of hear the word submission and think, ah, I really don't want to hear about how I need to give up control of my life to somebody else, how I need to submit myself to someone else's authority. But, you know, the, the reality is, as we look at this message of of First Peter, and, and in particular, you know, starting in chapter 2 and verse 13 on and through chapter 3, where we'll be this morning, these messages of submission help us to understand how we live our life in a way that's pleasing to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, we need to submit to Him above all else. We need to submit to Christ. We need to serve Christ above serving ourselves. And so where Christ has told us we need to submit to authority in our lives, we need to submit to those authorities. And while that's not a, a popular message in our culture, it's not something that a lot of people are, are very excited about hearing and about being preached at. In fact, a lot of preachers don't want to preach on it at all. But, uh, you know, this just happens to be the next place in the text where we are. And uh, in particular, Peter today is going to be preaching on wives submitting to husbands. Now that certainly one not very popular in our culture and not one that comes along and honestly makes me a little uncomfortable sometimes preaching things that I know people don't like to hear, but I'm bound to the words of Scripture. And the reason why we approach Scripture verse by verse and expositionally is so that, so that to hold me accountable to the whole counsel of God's Word. And to hold us accountable as God's church. That we don't get to skip over those difficult passages. But we deal with them as they come because we need the full counsel of God's Word in order that we might live pleasing in His sight. So Peter is, is writing to this church. He's writing to these people that, have been, uh, that are facing persecution for their faith. And we've talked about that. Um, from week to week that Peter is, is sharing with the church how they can persevere in the faith. He's reminded them of the promises that they have through Christ, of their eternal inheritance which is secure in Him. He's reminded them that not only are they secure in Christ, but that Christ has left them with a mission. That is, we are to carry out and represent Him in this world to, to testify of His mission to testify of His name, of His identity, of His purpose, and of His plan. We have been given the responsibility of being ambassadors for Christ. And while messages on submission are difficult for us to embrace in our culture, they are necessary in fulfilling God's Word and purpose for us. I mean, I get it. No one likes the idea of not being in control. 
we all like to think that you know we're we are the masters of our fate we are the captain of our soul but that is not what god's word tells us we don't like the idea of not having authority even when we come to these passages and we recognize god's wisdom and even the benefits that we gain from obeying god's instruction just for example it is beneficial for us to submit to the governing authorities in our life. God has established government to maintain order in the world, and when we obey government, what does it do? First of all, it keeps us out of trouble, right? Helps keep us in line. It keeps us safe, right? When we obey the laws and, and honor the authorities around us, right? And then next, what does Peter say? Peter says, servants, be submissive to your masters. And we said that that's the equivalent of us, of employees being submissive to employers. In, in the world in which we live. Well, what benefit is there in that? Well, it earns us a reputation of being a valuable employee, right? And there's benefits to being a valuable employee. But the primary reason that Peter gives us these instructions are not for our benefits. Although there are benefits in obeying God's Word, he doesn't do it so that, so that we, primarily so that we can benefit by it, but so that we can better represent Christ. He does it so that we can build a testimony of faithfulness. He does it so that Christ's love will be manifested through us. He understood that in following Christ, we have been given the ultimate example of submission. As Christ Jesus submitted to the will of the Father, even unto death. And we are to follow Him. Our submission to authorities that God has established in our life provides a testimony of our faith in Him. And it teaches us to serve Christ over serving ourselves. Which provides the title for today's message. And while the call for submission is, is difficult in its various aspects, I think the most difficult one for our culture in particular comes in today's text as we read about the instruction for wives to be submissive to their husbands. Yet even in that, there is a lesson for the church of the necessity of submission for the glory of God. Would you stand with me this morning in reverence to the reading of God's perfect Word? 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll be looking at verses 1-7. through 7. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry, jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Father, 
we bow before you this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would give us understanding. We ask that by your Spirit, Lord, that you would apply these truths and help us to conform our lives to its instruction in order that we might be more effective witnesses for you. Have your way with us over this time of preaching and let us receive your word for the honor and glory of Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. As I said, this is not a popular text to preach, but it is God's Word. And as God's Word, it is applicable to us as Christians. It is needed in the churches of our Lord Jesus Christ because it is God's Word. We know that it is true and beneficial to pursue obedience in order that we might experience His blessing. All Scripture is inspired of God. All Scripture is profitable for us. So I would just ask you, don't tune out because you don't like the message. But tune in and let God speak to your heart. And hear what the Word of God says to you. That we all might be obedient and might respond with a willing heart as we learn to serve Christ over serving ourselves. So let us first consider the meaning of the instruction. Verse number one, Peter says, in the same way. So when you read that, you have to ask yourself, what is he referring to? Well, he's given two previous instructions on submission. He's given us the instruction of submitting to governing authorities. He's given us the instruction of submitting to employers. And most commentators will tell you that this in the same way is, is a continuation of Peter's former instruction to, to become obedient and submissive in the same way as we do in those other contexts. I have a little bit different understanding as I've studied this text, uh, not to say that it's not related, because obviously it is, it is a series of instruction that Peter has given, but the thing that is most immediately connected to Peter's instruction in chapter 3 verse 1 is the example of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of chapter 2. He is our ultimate example of what it means to submit to the authorities established by God the Father. And so my understanding of this text is, is Peter is not saying just in the same way as the other instruction I gave you, but in the same way that Christ has submitted to the will of the Father, understand that this submission, this call of submission for wives to husbands is to emulate the submission of Christ to the Father. It is in that way that we are called to submit. As we consider the instruction for wives to submit to husbands, we must understand several aspects of what's going on in this text. And, and that is we have to understand the cultural context of the instruction. We need to understand the continuity of the instruction for the present time. And we also need to understand its significance for the church 
as a whole. Historically, we know that in the time period in which Peter, Peter was writing in the Greco-Roman world, that women had very little value in the eyes of society. They were viewed little above servants or slaves, if not equal to servants and slaves in that society. They were thought of as property. But as the preaching of the Gospel infiltrated that world and that time, and we talked about this a little bit last week as we talked about servants and masters, as the Gospel came in, people began to realize that the cross was the great equalizing force in the universe in which everybody is brought low before the cross. Everybody is seen equal before the cross. We are all sinners in the eyes of God. We are all people who are in need of redemption. But we are also all people created in the image of God. We are all valuable to God. And, and He desires for our salvation. So there is, there is an equality that, that necessarily rises up where the Gospel is preached. We see this in Galatians 3, verse 28. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, the preaching of the Gospel of Jesus Christ demonstrates the equality of every person individually. But you know, submission is not an issue of equality. It has nothing to do with the value of a person. It has nothing to do with the intellect of a person. It has nothing to do with the ability of a person. It has to do with responsibility as it's given out by God. The preaching of Christ does not look at title, nor race, nor position, nor money. God doesn't elevate anyone above anybody else. But we are all equal in Christ. The issue that Peter is dealing with specifically in this context is that for a wife to come to faith in Christ in a context in which they are looked on so poorly by the society could be to cause great difficulty for their husbands. It could cause their husbands to be ridiculed. It could cause their husbands to lose social status. It could cause their husbands economic failure if people thought that they were unable to control their wives. I mean, that's just the society in which they live. And Peter recognized that, that that was not beneficial for the spread of the Gospel. He says, listen, Wives, understand, you understand that, that you are special and that you are valued in Christ and you've come to faith, but your husband's not there yet. And you need to understand what it costs him for you to follow a different path than what he's on. And so Peter's trying to, to get them to behave in a manner that still honors their husbands and hopefully will win them to the Lord. Now the same, the same kind of difficulty didn't, present itself if a husband came to faith in Christ because he was, he was seen as the authority. And so he was, you know, if a husband came to faith in Christ and the wife didn't, you know, Paul still gives some regarding that in 1 Corinthians, but, but overall the same kind of conflict didn't exist. And so that, this is the immediate context in which Peter is dealing with this idea of submission. He wants the wives to demonstrate a spirit of submission that reflects the love 
of Jesus Christ. Don't cause grief for your husband, but honor and respect him so that Christ might be exalted. And if this was the only passage in Scripture that dealt with the submission of wives to husbands for the sake of their salvation and in the context in which it's dealing with, we might well conclude that this was culturally a, a very a, a culturally secluded event in which, in which God was working and says, this is the reason and this is the context in which it does, and, and it may not actually apply in a different context. But the problem is, it's not the only passage in Scripture. And it's not the only rationale that's offered for this reason. In fact, when we, when we read through Scripture, you come to Colossians 3.18, the Apostle Paul says, Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. The rationale there is that it pleases God for wives to be submitted to their husbands. Not a lot of other explanation in that text, but then we move on to Ephesians 5, 22-24. And it says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He Himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So there's not just a cultural consideration in the immediacy of the historical context in which we read this passage, but there is a continuity in this instruction that applies itself as the marriage is a representation of Christ's love for the church. You see, marriage was designed by God to be a picture of God's love for His people. And marriage has always been designed that way. Which is why God has established from creation that the man has been given responsibility to lead the family and the wife has been brought alongside as a helper to him in a joint effort to carry out the purpose and plan that God had given them. And so, so this, is, this is why this instruction, this command to submit to husbands is not just a cultural thing, it is a continual representation of God's design for marriage, and in that, God's design for marriage is always a picture of the Gospel. Because when we preach the Gospel, what are we preaching? Submission to Christ. Submission to Christ. And marriage is meant to reflect that reality. As wives submit to their husbands, the church who is the bride of Christ, is to submit to the Lordship of Christ. So as the church submits to Christ's Lordship, wives are to submit to husband's leadership. The Gospel requires submission. His sacrificial love and His bride's submission to continue the work that He began is reflected in the marriage relationship. This is God's design for marriage. The man has been given responsibility. But it's important for us as men to recognize the value that God has placed on our wives. It is extremely important. Now, you, you men, if you've been married for any amount of time, you know that your wife is a valuable asset in the decision-making process for your family. You know that your wife sees things from a different perspective than you do. We see things, we tend to see things very concretely, very black and white, this is, this is the way I see it. This is the way it's going to be. And your wife comes along and says, well, have you thought about this? And we go, oh, well, no. I hadn't, hadn't thought about that. That's why God gave us wives. 
to be, to be an influence on us, to help us to, to, to see things from that different perspective. This, that is their role as a helper toward, for us. But at the end of the day, the decisions that are made, guess who God's going to hold accountable? He's not holding your wife accountable for the decision that's made. He's holding you accountable. Just as He held Adam accountable for the sin in the garden. Even though it, was, it says that Eve was tempted, and, and Eve ate first, it was Adam that was held responsible because he'd been given that responsibility to lead. And so it has been from the beginning. The argument is one from God's design from creation and not simply one from, from a cultural, historical perspective. God understands that in order for anything to function properly, there has to be leadership established. There has to be, there has to be headship. And it's the same in an organization as it is in the family. You can't have two heads. You know, we don't, we don't have, in our country, our country doesn't have two presidents. We have, we have one, and that's for a reason. Corporations don't have two top officials. They have one top official with those people under them. The family needs also to have one leader. Adrian Rogers once said regarding leadership in the home that anything with no head is dead, and anything with two heads is a freak or a monster. And, and that's, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, that's, there's a lot of truth in that. You can't, you can't have two heads. There has to be one head. And you can't have, so there, and there can't be no head. You can't, if, if, if you're just absolutely equal, then there's no head. Well, if there's no head, then you're not going to get anything accomplished. So there's something, there's something very significant that we must not lose sight of in this instruction. First of all, that there is a design that God has established in order to provide continuity and order in the family. But also, that this is an instruction, listen, this is an instruction given to women. Alright? This is not permission for the man to enforce upon his wife a submissive position. This, this is not God saying, men, put your wives in their place. That is not what it's saying. It's not an instruction to men. It's an instruction to women. And so the submissiveness of the woman is not up to the man to enforce. It's up to the woman to obey God. We are all accountable to how we obey God individually. This, it's not a matter of, of us forcing it. It's a matter of all of us yielding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's just, it's the same way in the Gospel. The message of the Gospel comes to us and we must yield ourselves, we must surrender ourselves to the Lordship of Christ in order that we might be saved. But Christ does not force it on us. He may, he may act in our life and He may bring around circumstances that make us willing, that, that bring us to a place of surrender before Him, but He does not force us. And so, we are each individually responsible for our obedience and for our surrender. Husbands have been chosen by God to fulfill the leadership role in the family, but they have not been given the authority to force compliance on their wives. Each will answer to God for their obedience. 
God desires a heart from us that is yielded to Him above all else. Not just, not just women to husbands, not just wives to husbands, but all Christians to Christ. The design for submission is one that God has established us, for us in the world, toward government, in our daily life, toward our employers, and in our families, wives towards husbands, and in the church, the flock of God toward its shepherds. Even as Jesus submitted Himself to the will of His Father, the church is to submit to the Lordship of Christ. This is the meaning of submission as we seek to serve Christ over ourselves. But I want you to see also in this passage the motivation for obedience. Continuing on in verse number 1 and into verse 2, it says, In the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the world, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. So Peter says the primary reason that, that a wife needs to be submissive to their husbands is in the case of those that are married to unbelieving spouses in order that they might be one to Christ. This is the primary application that Peter gives in, in this text. And understanding that this term disobedient to the word suggests a, that a husband has heard the gospel and rejected it, not merely that he is in a state of unbelief because of ignorance. This makes submission all the more important to demonstrate commitment to following Jesus even when it may be hard on you. The one who is submitted to Christ is one who is walking in the Spirit and who is filled with the Spirit of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit becomes evident as you continue to serve the Lord and you continue to strengthen your testimony, which also means you're magnifying the grace and the love of Christ Jesus through that testimony. This is not instruction permitting a believing woman to marry an unbelieving man. That's not what's in view here. What Peter's dealing with primarily is, is couples who were, who were married before either of them knew the gospel, and then the wife accepts the gospel and becomes saved and then is in the relationship with an unbelieving spouse. I would say in, in, the current, in our current context, I think sometimes... A proper application might be in a situation where two people are married and uh, the spouses, the, the wife believes that the person she's marrying is a believer, but then through time and circumstance comes to find out that he actually is not. And in those cases, there is still the necessity of submission in order to testify of Christ's worthiness to be served. Excuse me. The Lord, the Lord always encourages spouses, both men and women, to be a light for the gospel. Not so much through words, though words are important, but really through actions. Listen to the instruction the Apostle Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 7, chapter 7, verses 13 through 16. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. 
the brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God, cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? We must never underestimate the power of our personal testimony as we submit to authority and exemplify the character of Christ to those whom God brings into our lives and then He gives us opportunities to share. This is the significance of submission, the very salvation of a soul. Our submission might mean salvation for somebody. We need to recognize that. And as I said, while the primary application is to wives married to unbelieving husbands, there is a broader application to every believer as well. Our service to Christ, our desire to honor Him by submitting ourselves to His design and purposes demonstrates to the world around us that Christ is worthy to be served. He is worthy to be submitted to. He is worthy for us to subject ourselves to His commands and to obey Him no matter what it may cost us. Specifically here, Peter mentions the observation by husbands of chaste and respectful behavior. The word chaste refers to purity and innocence. It carries the idea of behaving in a manner that is not manipulative or self-seeking. You just do what's right because it's right. That is chaste behavior. And then he says, in a respectful manner. The word literally from the Greek, it's a, it's a word meaning to be in fear. It refers to a deep respect for authority. You know, it can be difficult sometimes to respect and obey the authorities that God places over us because a lot of times we don't agree with them. But it's not our respect for that person that is most important. It's our respect for God and His established order. It's our respect for His design and for His command. It's a, desire, it's, it's a desire from our heart to be pleasing in His sight. God has ordained authorities over us in order to accomplish good for us. Understanding that within each context of submission, there are limitations to the length or the depth of that submission. I mean, we talked about this when we talked about submitting to governing authorities, and we talked about Daniel and, and his friends from the book of Daniel, and Daniel disobeyed Nebuchadnezzar, and, and, so, did, or, and so did his, uh, his friends. Or Daniel disobeyed Darius, and his friends disobeyed Nebuchadnezzar, and, and they did so for good reason. Why? Because, because they were being called to worship and pray to somebody other than God. And so they're limited by, their submission is limited by their obedience to God above the authorities of men. We see that in, with the apostles in the book of Acts, in chapter, Acts chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. And, and Peter, the one who wrote this letter, Peter says, he says, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. This is the authorities that come along and said, you know what, you can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And Peter says, God said I have to. So you judge whether I do that or whether I obey you. So there are some limitations to where this submission comes in. And, and, what, and I think that's why understanding that the whole purpose of submission is learning to serve Christ over self helps us to understand where those limita limitations come. 
Because it's not about, it's really not about how we feel or what we think. Sometimes when we get to the point of recognizing that there's limitations on submissions, then we begin to make our own set of rules. Well, I know this isn't absolute, so let me think about in what circumstances I don't have to submit. And so we begin to make our own rules for when we should submit and when we shouldn't. And we need to be very careful about that. Because I don't, I don't think you're going to find any hard and fast rules other than this one that we obey God above every other authority. Because when, if you think about it and you look at the example of submission that we're given, is Christ. Christ submitted even unto death. Christ submitted at great cost to His own to his personal safety. He, he, he submitted to the point of suffering and being beaten and being, and being pierced and being nailed to a cross. And so sometimes when we begin to put limitations on our submission, we might just get further away from where those limitations are than what God would have us. What we need to do is in every circumstance trust the Word of God and the Spirit of God to give us discernment for where those limitations may exist. I would say specifically in, re, in regard to this, to this direction for, for women being submissive to husbands, that I, I don't believe that a, that a woman must subject herself to physical abuse in order to honor and respect her husband. I think if a woman is in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, an abusive relationship, that she can protect herself at the same time as being a good witness to her husband. There is a way to be protective of your personal safety and to honor Christ. But I would also say that it's not absolute. I think in the context in which Peter was dealing with these women, they probably were in abusive relationships with these husbands. And they, didn't, and they didn't really have an option. They couldn't go anywhere else. And Peter's telling him, hang in there and do the best you can. I think we have a lot more options today in our culture and, and we're able to do that. But this is why I say, it, it's not, there's not an absolute. We serve Christ above all. We allow His Word and His Spirit to give us understanding and we do our best to submit ourselves to that pattern. That is the limitations which God has given us according to His submission in order that we might represent Christ always. I think we can represent Christ and protect ourselves. I think that's biblical. But we always need to allow room for the Spirit to give us understanding and wisdom. Submission is never easy, especially as it's given as an instruction toward women in a world that is trying to destroy the very distinctions between men and women. I mean, our, our culture on a daily basis is attacking the very definition of what a man and a woman is. It used to be just attacking the, the roles of men and women. Now it's even the definition of man and woman altogether. This is not a culturally popular message, but it is the truth of God's Word. And our responsibility is to recognize that despite what culture may want, or despite what society may dictate, 
God has established roles and responsibilities which we are required to follow in order to obey Him. These various calls to submission are not marks of inferiority of intellect, emotion, or personal worth, but they are given to establish order and peace in this world. And our most important act of submission is that of yielding ourselves to Christ Himself. Understanding that to submit to Christ could cost us dearly. Submission to Christ has cost many popularity. It has cost many economic benefits. It has cost many even their lives. But if you know Him, you know that whatever it costs, it's worth it. He has promised us an eternal home in heaven with Him. He has promised us an inheritance with Christ, which is greater than anything this world can offer. He has promised that as long as we're here, He's going to be with us and walk with us and take care of us and provide for us. And though we may fall, we will continue to rise up with His power and with His strength and that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And He is our hope. He is our guarantee. Time forbids that we continue further with our text this morning, but we're going to pick this up again tonight. But I would urge you this morning that if you have never submitted to Christ, if you have never surrendered your heart to Him and you have never known the goodness of what it means to be under His Lordship, I would encourage you to do that this morning. To give up control over your future, to give up control over your life and just say, Lord, I'm desperate. I need You. Lead me. And for the rest of you, that have experienced the salvation of Christ and have known the surrender to Christ, I would ask you simply to consider His commands. Consider His call to submission in whatever area of your life that He may be calling you to submit. Because there's always areas in which we need to submit. Consider those, each one individually, but ultimately, Consider submission to Christ's authority over self-preservation, over self-service, over self-interest. We serve Him whatever it costs because He is worthy. Let us pray together. Gracious Father in heaven, we come before You and we thank You for the power of Your Word in your spirit. We thank you for the truth that your word contains for us. We thank you for the instruction that it offers us as we continue to seek to understand and know who you are and what you've done for us. And that you have purposed in our salvation to make us more like Christ, that we might be witnesses to the world, both of his glory and his grace. And that we might continue to grow in likeness to him, that we might demonstrate 
the worthiness of the Father to be worshipped and obeyed, that we might demonstrate the hope that we have of eternity and the, the assurance of our provider and our, in the presence of our Lord in our lives from day to day to walk us through every difficulty. And Lord, we rejoice in the promises of Your Word. And we thank You for the love which is poured out on us every day. We thank You that Your mercies are new every day. We thank You, Lord, just for loving us when we were unlovable. Father, while we were enemies of You, You sent Christ to die so that we might be forgiven and that we might be restored to our relationship with You. Oh, Father, convict us in our hearts where we have failed to follow Your Word. Teach us, Lord, of Your way and help us to walk in Your truth. Not in accordance to our desires, but in accordance with Your Spirit and truth. So that You might continue to be glorified in Your church. And we ask it in the precious name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I want to ask you to stand with me as we enter a time of invitation. And uh, I want you just to kind of bow your heads and just reflect on, on the message that's been shared today and how the Lord may be speaking to your heart and what He may want from you today. And if He leads you to some important decision that you'd like to share, I'll be down front and I'd be glad to share, to share that with you and to pray for you. Or if you just want to come to the altar and, and, and pray up front, you're welcome to do that as well. But just bow your head and let the Lord lead you. As Jim leads us in a song of invitation.
be seated for just a moment. Just got a couple of announcements I want to just real quick go over with you. Um, and really the most important or the newest annou announcement that I can go over with you is, is uh, that we will be hosting here at the church um, a grief share program beginning um, August Thursday, August 16th at 6.30 p.m. It's a 13-week program. Um, uh, Richard Zielinski, Richard, will you wave at everybody for me? Um, Richard is our uh, primary uh, contact and facilitator for that program, and uh, and uh, and it this is this is a program for people that have suffered loss in their life, um, and and are just grieving that loss and need other people who have experienced that loss to kind of to work through that. And uh, so, if you're interested in that. Um, you can contact the office, you can contact him, and we'll put you in contact. If you contact the office, we'll put you in contact with him. But if you don't have his contact information, let us know, and we'll make sure that you get it. Um, and uh, that's, the most, that's the most important um, announcement that, that we've added this week. The other, other things are the same. If you are interested in serving in a ministry of the church, um, these are the people that are over our primary ministries that need help right now. If you know of another ministry you want to be um, involved with, um, you come and talk to me, and, and we'll, we'll help get you connected in that. And, uh, of course, continue to invite people. Use the cards. Send those out. Uh, give those out to people. And, um, and just, just be a light to the world wherever, wherever and everywhere you go. And uh, Oh, Discover Class. If you're interested in, in either becoming a member or finding out more of what it means to be a member of Northside Baptist Church, we will be hosting um, probably the end of this month. Um, I will have a date for you definitively um, this, well, I'll have it before the end of the week, um, but it's probably going to be the last, probably going to be the last Sunday of this month um, for the Discover Northside class, so if you're interested in that, I just need to get you signed up so we can um, know um, that we have enough materials to get those, to get those things together, so, and um, all right, let's, uh, let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for your love, for your grace. I thank you for the way you're moving in people's hearts and encouraging them and strengthening them. And Lord, I just, I just love you desperately. And I thank you for the love that you've shown us. And I pray that you would continue, Lord, to guide us moment by moment and day by day that Christ might be glorified in us. And we ask it in Jesus' name.